0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I am Tyler Downey. He is Sean Fitz. Appreciate you joining us as always. If you're listening, where you find your podcast, or if you're watching on our YouTube channel at Lions247, nice to have you with us once again. It's our last episode before the Ohio State-Penn State matchup, and we spent a lot of time this weekend going over the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and and what this matchup could have been, what it is, number 20 Penn State at 5-2 against a one-lost Ohio State team that is number 5 in the country, 7.30 kickoff Saturday night in Columbus. It's the fifth consecutive season in which both of these teams enter the matchup ranked Last time that didn't happen, Penn State pulled off the upset in 2016, which is their last victory in this series. Ohio State leads the series overall 21-14, 10-2 in the last 12, 6-1 against James Franklin. And Sean, in order to overcome and avoid a seven 1-7 one, one record against these Buckeyes, James Franklin is going to have to probably pull off the most impressive game week performance of his Penn State career.
1: Yeah. Great time for it. Huh? I mean, you, you look at everything that's uh, going o- around in the atmosphere around Penn state football right now, and not a bunch of it has to do with, with Ohio state. So, you know, maybe that's something that, that, that Ohio state is caught on with uh, you. You think that maybe they've thinking that they're trying to pick at a wounded animal right now or something like that. And, you know, maybe that'll turn out in Penn state's favor, but uh, it's going to be, going to be a tough one. No doubt about it. Do you, anytime you go into the horseshoe, it's, it, it's really uh, one of the, one of the, the big time atmospheres in college football, especially at night, especially in a game that, you know, Ohio State, you, you think about it, they, they slip up once, they're probably out of the playoff. So that's uh, really what they've got to play for. And, you know, there's just not a ton of, of confidence coming from what we saw from Penn State last weekend. We we, we believe Sean Clifford is is getting healthier um, as we talked about on our episode yesterday, does a hundred percent matter? Not really, because nobody really expects him to be a hundred percent. But how much of that can he do? How much of that can he take care of and and take on his shoulders? Um, if he can't, that's gonna be a tough one.
0: Yeah. Um. More Clifford talk uh, in a moment here. Um. Because that is. Yeah, that's everything. That is everything. You can talk about the P.J. Mustapher injury, and we were just doing that before the podcast recorded. You can talk about some of the coaching decisions. But at the end of the day, this team's 7-0 if you have a healthy Sean Clifford, in my opinion. And I know Iowa fans will disagree with that wholeheartedly. But they where, where they are right now is 5-2 and two with one touchdown produced offensively since Sean Clifford was injured and going into this matchup, I think it's pushing toward three touchdown uh, underdog status for Penn state, which is just such a a role reversal um, from last week. And, Sean, I think with Sean, who says he thinks he's going to have that mobility this week, he's confident. We've heard from James Franklin, uh, again, for the second consecutive day after practice on Wednesday, saying that Sean Clifford is going to be as close to 100% as he has been in these last few weeks. And, um, you know, question I had to ask him, and you wrote about this mobility yesterday. In fact, we both wrote about the importance of Sean Clifford's mobility uh, Sorry on Wednesday. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that important of a subject. but. It really is. It really it, – it comes down to it. It, it. No design run against Illinois. Penn State is 9-1 when Sean Clifford goes for 40-plus rushing yards in a game. He had three 20-plus-yard runs in, in – uh, yeah, I should say he had 20-plus-yard runs in three of the first six games, Sean, and yet zero design runs against Illinois. He had a two-yard loss on a scramble. He was sacked four times. He was wincing in pain, and he did not run the ball when they had it at the three-yard line on seven consecutive plays to – Avoid that loss against Illinois. It, it,
1: if, you, if you have to scrap the design runs, the quarterback draws, and some of those those reads that he does, that's okay. It's when you take away his ability just to move around and do anything. I mean, you you look at the the sack that he... I guess it really was credited as a run instead of a sack where he slid two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. If your quarterback's sliding two yards behind the line of scrimmage, you've got problems. And that's, uh, you know, uh, again, a lot of credit for him going out there and, and toughing it out and everything like that. But if you completely take away his legs, he's not the most accurate quarterback. You're going to ask him to sit back there and pick you apart. And that's just not going to happen with Sean Clifford.
0: And the other thing that it it certainly impacted and what we heard from Mike Yurcic just a few weeks ago about the thing that really stood out with Sean was his ability to keep his eyes downfield, understand that the pressure was coming, feel it, evade pressure, and stay behind the line of scrimmage while giving his weapons a chance to make plays and, and finding them in space. That couldn't happen. There were times last week where you saw him trying to roll outside the pocket Just the confidence wasn't there. He would pull up when he saw a defender coming. It it wasn't the same Sean Clifford, and and you understand how limited he, he was after watching that for four hours of football on Saturday. But that really impacted things. At the end of the day, averaging fewer than five yards per completion outside of that one touchdown drive that Penn State had. That's on 31 pass attempts less than five yards per completion there's too many weapons on the field for that to be the case and certainly when sean clifford though isn't drawing defenders toward him and 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 presenting that rush threat that's going to open things up for the defense and that's going to create more traffic downfield and when he clearly wasn't where he needed to be from a health standpoint driving the ball downfield you know if he can't pass accurately then there is not a lot uh, as a, a part of that quarterback makeup aside from his leadership and maybe avoiding some mistakes that you can hang your hat on going against a very talented Ohio State defense that has taken some lumps this year, I will say that.
1: You almost have to wonder if if you just have to be a little bit looser with some of those throws and have more of a gunslinger mentality. I know that that hasn't worked out for him in the past, but if that's all you've got to go on, then you maybe have to make some more challenging throws. Trust your receivers to go up and get it and, um, you know, try and pound away at the middle of the field, which college coaches absolutely hate to go to the middle of the field, especially on the road in an environment like this. So. I'm very curious to see how aggressive they can be. And like I said, it doesn't have to be with the, the quarterback runs and design runs because you don't want to run yourself or run your quarterback into another injury. But at the same time, if he's pulling up behind the line of scrimmage on the first drive of the game, you better settle in and pour yourself a glass because that's that, that's going to be trouble. So um, it, it, I, I don't think there's a, there's a an easy answer for this one. Uh, we saw yesterday at practice Taquan Roberson was not there. Um, James Franklin did say after practice that he did practice, which – OK, um, but uh, that's that that's certainly something that you can add to the heap of, of quarterback problems um, or quarterback uh, potential issues uh, moving forward here. So I uh, don't know how it's going to go. Uh, as we said, not a great time to go on the road to Columbus, but uh, that's the schedule that's in front of you. Then they'll they'll see what they can do. But if if Sean Clifford is going to be asked to, to sit back in the pocket and, do, and for all the offensive line criticism we have, the pocket has been there fairly consistently and pick yourself apart. Maybe he's got to make some more dangerous throws. Maybe he's got to try to push the ball down the field and see if something can happen. Maybe those passes don't get completed, but maybe those passes back those safeties off a little bit. And you're able to go underneath or potentially get a pass interference call. Pass interference might be one of Penn State's better uh, better op- play options this week. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But it's going to be an issue of if you take away that, that level of his game, which is so important to his success and so important to the, this offense's success. Then it's it it's really not uh, not an ideal situation for Penn State.
0: I want to circle back to the point you made about uh, let's say it's the the first possession, second possession of the game. Penn State's down seven, nothing at that point. You, you're feeling a little pressure early near midfield. Penn State maybe has a possession, third and six. Clifford rolls out. There's a clear path that. Normally Sean Clifford would get that first down. He pulls up, tries to make a difficult throw or or he or he, you know, he's not able to go pursue that first down and you know really early in this game, okay, Sean doesn't have it as a runner today. We heard a lot of good things during the week, but it's not there on the field right now and and it can get bad in Columbus. What's the move then? What is the move if Sean Clifford is not mobile? Um I, I can't imagine it could be possibly worse than last week against Illinois when, again, no design runs, no scrambles for positive yardage, not uh, elongating plays with his legs. What is the move? Because you can't just send him out for for 12 possessions and say, OK, we've got a passer, Sean Clifford, um, who can't run and we're just going to keep doing it. What is the move? Because I I don't know where I don't know where it is. And, and you're going to make me bring up Tyler Warren again in a moment.
1: I was I was wondering if this was if that was the direction that this was going. I'm going to get. I don't that. know, man. This is typically where you say you need to run the football, but Penn State, the way that they run the football, you you don't have trust in that. You don't have the ability to to move people out of the way, and you're facing. One of the more talented defenses that you'll see all season. Um, you know, you, you've got to you, you got to do better on first down. Penn State's been uh, atrocious on getting where they need to get. To you mentioned third and six. Third and six is is optimistic for this group yes, sometimes. Yes. So you got to get yourself to, to third and four. And and I would argue if you're midfield, you're probably in four down territory because you have to steal possessions, you have to steal points anytime that you can get them, um, and, and and try not to uh, you know pinning Ohio state back hasn't worked very well in the last couple of years. I mean, you look at what they've been able to do because I think they're going to run the ball and try to run the ball right at that defensive line and, and probably have some success with it. Um, But uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough uh, because if this, this defense can't, or excuse me, if this offense can't keep the defense off the field, uh, it just continues to be a long day. So I I don't have an answer for you. Um, Again, it would be, certainly ideal if he was able to run and, and get out of trouble and maybe recognize that y- you gotta, you know, take three yards and, and take a take a knee or take a slide or something like that and just stay out of harm's way, which is fine. Um, but it's not the Clifford that's gonna break off the 40 yard run and 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 you know show that what we call sneaky athleticism that we've seen so many times from him.
0: In a couple games against Ohio State, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode or not, but five total rushing yards and, and two starts against the Buckeyes. He was he was out of the game at halftime. I'm going to talk about that 2019 matchup and what happened there in a moment. But so, again, I, I just think this is a real question that is so difficult to answer, and I still want to harp on it for a moment because Taequann Roberson, again, we were out in the practice field for 15 18 minutes. I don't know what it was yesterday. He wasn't, uh, as far as we could tell. Uh, it was Sean Clifford, it was Christian Veyer, and then it was Mason Stahl, a walk on quarterback. And Christian is a true freshman who is six foot four, maybe 200 pounds, and has not played live football action since he was on a high school field in 2019. So I don't think that's who you're turning to uh, on the road in Columbus in this matchup. And I bring up Tyler Warren because I brought it up yesterday to James Franklin, and he said, Well, if you, you know, it's a Wildcat package, they, they have it for him. But if you bring him in there, you're losing things from the passing game, and then you're you're losing things from your offensive arsenal. And I think my counterpoint is if Sean Clifford isn't mobile, you've already lost half of your – I mean, not half of what Sean Clifford can do, but you've already eliminated the rushing threat at quarterback. So if you're playing with that shorthanded deck, I don't necessarily see where if you've got a, a third-and-two situation at midfield or if you've managed to get there, if you're on the goal line at the doorstep and whether it's third down or second down or first down – you need, you need someone who's going to go churn out some yards. I, I keep going back to Tyler Warren. And maybe maybe it's not fair to him because maybe he wanted to leave the whole quarterback thing back in high school. He wants to be a tight end. He wants to get to the next level at the tight end position. But right now I'm reviewing what Penn State has from a personnel standpoint and what they could possibly do in this really tough environment if Sean Clifford can't get mobile. I keep thinking of Tyler Warren, and, and I know Franklin made the point is, well, then you're going to lose some things in the passing game. But if on the flip side, you're sticking with someone who completely removes an element of rushing attack from your backfield at the quarterback spot, you're already playing from shorthanded. So I, I think that's kind of the risk you got to make.
1: First off, there's never been a tight end that hasn't wanted to run the football. That's a, that's a tight end's dream Absolutely, right there. right? <laughs> just right below the <laughs> offensive lineman that wants to do it. Um, but no, it's uh, I, I just don't know that you gain enough from him as a passer. I know he's a high school quarterback. Uh, his only pass that we've seen this year wasn't particularly good. Should have you know if he, if he puts that closer, uh, you know, closer to the numbers, then that game's probably with a different outcome. So I don't know that you as as you say you you lose a lot with Sean Clifford not being able to run. I don't know that you gain that much with Tyler Warren to be a passer. So I get what I get what you're saying, and, and certainly yeah. that makes sense um, from the fact that if he can get it across the line of scrimmage, get it where he needs to be. Um, you know, on a, a five-yard out or something like that, okay. Um, but you're playing against Ohio State's defensive backs. I mean, there's there's a significant drop off from Sean Clifford throwing the ball to Tyler Warren throwing the ball. So you're almost better off and um, going with a couple of running backs back there if you're going to go Wildcat or something like that. I know that Penn State's running backs have not been good this year. Yeah, who's your power you have... running
0: back? Who is the power running back?
1: Exactly. Um, you've got but but you've got a chance to gain eight 12 yards instead of Tyler Warren you're thinking one to three yard I mean that's a short yardage package for a reason um and I think you 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 did kind of clarify that um with with Franklin when you were asking the question about it being a short yardage situation but I just uh you're gonna have to trust the wrinkles and see if there's anything else that 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 Mike Yersuch has in that bag because it's I don't know that that's the way to uh to, to beat Ohio State in in Columbus
0: there were no wrinkles, though, from a rushing perspective with Sean Clifford. He was purely a one-dimensional, dimensional quarterback last week. Put away everything yeah. we know about Sean Clifford. His ability to move, that athleticism, the 4 four-five-two forty. He was a completely one-dimensional quarterback against Illinois. They scored ten points against Illinois. They lost in overtime. They couldn't punch it in from from the. You know, Noah Cain hasn't proven to be the power guy. Kevon Lee hasn't pr- proven to be the power guy. Maybe this is just one more Penn State doesn't have the answer, and and I don't know if it's part of that whole quarterback room conversation. And there's not a guy there that can maybe handle those short hearted rushing duties, but whatever it is to me, this is going to be obvious early. And if a one dimensional Sean Clifford is still in the game in the third quarter, I don't know how you come back from, from some kind of deficit. And that's where I'll get to right now, because that's what you had a one dimensional Sean Clifford on the road against Ohio state in 2019. Uh, remember he was banged up coming out of the Minnesota game. They went home, um, I think they beat Indiana the game after that. They beat somebody in between Ohio State, and Sean Clifford was not himself, wasn't accurate, um, wasn't the runner. Went to Ohio State, non-factor as runner, six carries, zero yards against the Buckeyes, 10 of 17 passing for 71 yards, and then he didn't come back at a quarterback in the second half. They put in Will Levis, 6 of 11 passing, 57 yards, scored a touchdown on the ground. Journey Brown got some things going, but they scored 17 points. They lost to Ohio State 28 to 17. And the other matchup this week kind of reminds me of where the conversation is what are you going to get from a mobile perspective at your quarterback is 2018 that trip to michigan with mcsorley the question was all about coming out of an iowa win where he ran the ball but got hurt can he be effective against a talented michigan defense on the road that was a number 14 penn state versus number five michigan michigan matchup and it was a disaster mcsorley could not move he lost six yards as a runner cumulatively. 5 of 13 passing for 83 yards, interception. You put Tommy Stevens in the game briefly. He threw an interception. 42 to 7 was the final score. And these were nightmare games, and I just bring them up because I point to those big matchups on the road, national spotlight kind of situations where a big part of the conversation all week is, will your quarterback be ready? The head coach is expressing confidence. He did the same thing for Trace McSorley back in 2018. Um, I think he probably did the same thing for Sean Clifford back in 2019, expressing confidence. If you're going to put him out there at quarterback, you'll get what you get. But after both of those games, whether it was McSorley or Clifford, Franklin said we didn't have the rushing threat that we require at quarterback for him to maximize this offense. And I just wonder, can Penn State fans stomach hearing that same kind of comment coming out of Columbus if it turns that way? I I don't think so.
1: I mean, mean, this is a very similar game to that Michigan game. I I feel, um, you know, confident that, uh, you know, even James Franklin said it. He said, Trace, or or excuse me, Trace McSorley earned the benefit of the doubt going in that game. Kind of said the same thing about Sean Clifford this week. Um, You know, you had Tommy Stevens behind him, but. Fairly unproven, and by the way, you mentioned that and gave me the flashbacks to one of the worst picks I've ever seen. That was bad. Threw it right to the Michigan defender. Um, so yeah, that's that's the type of uh, situation that you're dealing with. Um, you know, Roberson, if he if he is still there, um, doesn't instill confidence. Veer. As you said, not really. I mean, we haven't seen anything from him. So where do you go from there? Um, So quite possibly, you know, thanks to the situation that they're in a a worse spot than they were in going into that Michigan game. So um, we'll see, you know, a lot of this is going to be on uh, on those guys around Clifford um, and, and everything comes back to the quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but going to be on those guys around Clifford. Um, You know, typically you you can lean on a running game. You can't do that right now. Um, You need, Jahan Dotson to essentially have a Heisman performance this weekend. Um, if, if if you're trying to uh, to get where you want to be, Parker Washington, those tight ends need to be a lot better. Um, so that's uh, that's a that's a tall order for Penn State going into this weekend.
0: And then there's the offensive line, and historically, this has been the game season after season where they go from maybe being a good offensive line to an average or subpar offensive line, or an average offensive line to uh, an underwhelming offensive line. Right now, they're already in underwhelming category. Where could it go from here? Because I'll tell you what, we don't know who's playing center. We think we know who the five are going to be in the starting lineup. We don't think there's a lot of guys outside of the starting lineup right now that Phil Tratwine and James Franklin are going to be comfortable plugging in there and playing in this matchup. And oh, by the way, there's just a few blue chips on that Ohio State defensive front seven.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a talented group. It's, it's probably not as good as as it's been in the past. Um they've got some some really good players out there. you know, Zach Harrison was a five star, Haskell Garrett's coming back and doing some good things. Those linebackers can be, you know, they can be exposed. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big part, um, especially before the uh the coaching change, or not really the coaching change, but the the coordinator play caller change um that they had, um, that those linebackers were actually getting cooked. So um if you've got an opportunity, if the if these tight ends can get over that hump or if you got Parker Washington working the middle of the field or Keandre Lambert Smith taking advantage of a matchup or something like that, you can have success against this Ohio state defense, but they're playing a lot more confident than they were at the beginning of the season. They know that Clifford is, is, is wounded and they're going to go after him, I think. Um, so it, it's really going to be, um, you know, you're going to have to play your best ball to get, to get past those. I think it's, there's a path to it working. Um, but can you sustain it for 60 minutes is, is the big question
0: it's been a glass half full kind of week. So I do want to say if on that third and sixth play, Sean Clifford takes off, picks up eight yards, does a first down signal and runs back and and, and fired up his guys, then who knows? Who knows? I I mean, let's, let's see. Let's see. I don't want to say already Sean Clifford is lying to us and James Franklin's lying to us. And he's going to go out there and and look exactly like he did against Illinois. They're not going to tell us if it, the, trust me, I, I know that we're not getting the full story from everybody involved on Sean Clifford's health. That's not going to be the case going to a game. But I do want to be careful in assuming that he's going to look that way because he could go out there, he'd get fired up, and maybe he captures for 60 minutes some really special football. And if he can do that, I'll give Penn State a chance. It's still going to take some some breaks for them, I think. But I don't want to write off Sean Clifford just yet because you know, he, he deserves us to at least see him go out there, take some snaps, and, and see what he can do with the football.
1: Yeah. And what else are you going to do? I mean, that's the that's the thing that it comes down to. It's not like you've got a guy that's you're ready to throw in there, um, especially if you go with the, uh, you know, the, especially given what we saw from One Roberson against Iowa.
0: Um, the other thing here that, that I think is really I, I, I don't necessarily know how important it is to everybody in that locker room. And these guys I'm going to talk about the 2017 class ha- came in. They were fresh off, uh, you know, seeing Penn State win the Big Ten title, using that victory over Ohio State as a launch pad toward that championship game. They lose this matchup in Columbus. They're coming back 0 5, 0 for 5 in their career against Ohio State. And you know that was a big point of emphasis coming to campus, trying to leapfrog Ohio State in this division. Um, They were in their second year on campus when James Franklin delivered that great to elite speech. Now they're in year five um talked a little bit got some feedback from guys like ellis brooks sean clifford on the subject other players as you'd imagine didn't want to touch it wanted to stay in the one and no mentality but let's face it these guys wanted to come and they wanted to beat ohio state and and if they get on the plane and come back to state college and they have never done that in the lions uniform including sean clifford at quarterback um you know that that really says kind of a lot about where penn state ended up here in the in its trajectory under james franklin because You know, it just has been the brick wall and it's been that way for a lot of the Big Ten. But this is the one Penn State has had its crosshairs on the Buckeyes for a while now. They've signed some of these recruiting classes that have come in. The mentality has been, how do we make Penn State better than Ohio State? How do we make sure Penn State has that path to Indianapolis on an annual basis? And 0 for 5, that just sounds really bad. And I know it must really bother Franklin, I mean, uh, deep down inside.
1: I mean, in th- to their credit, they've, they've done better than Jim Harbaugh, so th- you've got that going for <laughs> yeah, you. No kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's where kind of where it is. I mean, Ohio State has been the measuring stick for so long, and and that's a heck of a brick wall to overcome. Penn, Penn State's played them well, probably better than most teams in the Big Ten up there with Michigan State. I know Iowa's had some success, um, but it's, uh, it's a big one to scale. And you look at what Ohio State has done over the last decade plus, and it's it's just distance themselves from the rest of the conference and, and really, you know, not to get into a a Franklin conversation, but you look at the, the investment from Ohio state, you look at what they've done to become a program that's up there with Alabama, that's up there um, with those, those other great, you know, Clemson obviously down this year, but the, just the investment, I mean, you think Ryan Day's having the conversations that James Franklin's having this weekend or this week about getting what he wants and, 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 you know, making the program, uh, getting the program the essentials that it needs, whether it be for him or, or for the next guy, it's it's not that hard to do at Ohio State. So they've, to their credit, they've they've done a nice job of of striking while the iron's hot. Of course, Urban Meyer did not hurt that in that sense, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's how that's how to run a football program, and that's the that's the blueprint. That's where Penn State wants to be. That's you know, I'm sitting in Bill O'Brien's office uh, eight years ago or whatever. I mean, that's that's the blueprint for then too, and is to get where they needed to be because. As many um, as many advances as James Franklin has made in his tenure, and that in this this group has made in his tenure, they were so far behind when Bill O'Brien came along. Um, So it's just uh, it's continuing to try and play catch up. And when the the person, or excuse me, when the the entity that you're trying to catch up with is moving faster than everybody else, anyway, that's uh, that's really tough
0: that last time O'Brien coached Penn State against Ohio State on the road in Columbus 63 to 14 loss and uh, it was a 2016 win that snapped a four game losing streak against Ohio State for Penn State they have kind of now followed that with a four game losing streak and if a fifth consecutive loss happens that will be the longest losing streak again 35 games in this series 21 to 14 Ohio State leading that way and after that win in 2016 it was a couple matchups where Penn State had a fourth quarter lead lost by one point in on both occasions, didn't have Clifford on the road in 2019, and we know what happened in 2020, part of that spiral for Penn State. And here, another unique circumstance where, where it doesn't seem like Penn State is going to have a full-capacity quarterback on the road in Columbus. Sean, uh, keys to the game here. We heard a ton uh, from Patrick Murphy, who does a great job with Ohio State site here on 24-7 Sports, uh, spent 20 minutes with us going over special teams, defense, offense, the ins and outs. Uh, let's talk about a little bit more of that before we get to our predictions for Penn State versus Penn State. He said it's a pick-your-poison situation right now with this Ohio State offense. There was an early conversation, and this speaks about the Buckeyes quarterback room, but did they have the right starting quarterback? Uh, did, did they make a mistake? <laughs> Do they need to make a change? Well, here we are later, and it looks like they've got another good one on their hands. C.J. Stroud, in that Heisman conversation, he's got three guys with 500-plus yard receiving performances thus far in the season. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, both over 30 catches to this point. And then Jeremy Ruckert, I feel like, is the guy who you forget about a little bit in the passing game. He breaks your back on a third down or in the red zone. But the story to me here, Sean, and the guy I asked James Franklin about yesterday, he said he has changed the Buckeyes' offense, Trevion Henderson scintillating freshman that Penn State's going to have to deal with here for the next couple of years. He's almost at 700 rushing yards, almost nine yards per carry, 14 total touchdowns, 11 on the ground, three through the air. And we just saw what Illinois' running backs did. And I don't think a lot of people, even in the Penn State fan base, could name multiple Illinois running backs going into that game last week.
1: Yeah, that's that's for sure. I walked away and got a cup of coffee while you were going through all the weapons. So I assume you covered them all. Yeah, got but Trevion Henderson is, is a special back. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's a he's a three and done cat for them. Um, just an incredibly talented. And, and it's not, you know, they've had some really good backs in the past. And you, you think, uh, you know, over the years that n- but nobody really has had the kind of big play speed that he has. I, I know. I mean, they've had big plays, don't get me wrong, but this kid is, is different in that sense. And, you know, you flip the ball out to him on a screen and he all of a sudden he ends up 70 yards later, just run away from everybody. Um, and that's something you have to deal with. Um, you know, you look at what Penn State has been able to do this year. And yes, they susceptible to run now, especially after the must for injury. So I expect Penn, I expect Ohio State to come out and try and pound them away. But uh the screens and things are just what has killed Penn State in the pound. remember the Dwayne Haskins games and oh my God. You know, Haskins obviously yeah. um you know made some money off of off of those performances <laughs> yeah. but a lot of screen stuff a lot of things where you're slipping out of tackles close to the line of scrimmage and that's really what Penn State's got to avoid i mean their their tackling was subpar against Illinois last weekend and you you can't have that against anybody let alone the number what five team in the country as they are right now so um the screen game i think is going to be important uh, i i do expect ohio state to come out and try and pound it away with henderson and their other backs who their other backs are really good too um but just Move that defensive line out of the way. If you're Penn State, you almost have to play it like you're like you're in Iowa, like you're a Purdue, something like that. A lot of stunts, a lot of moving around. Excuse me, I don't know what just happened there, but a lot of stunts, a lot of moving around, um, and doing some some things to really get your get that. Offensive line may be thinking and get them in the wrong spot and all of a sudden you pop up with a tackle for loss with Brandon Smith or Curtis Jacobs or Ellis Brooks or something like that. Linebackers obviously have to be better than they were last week. But um yeah, you've got to you've got to keep your your head on and, and play fundamental football. I think it got away from Penn State last week in terms of filling gaps in terms of backside pursuit, tackling and things like that. You just you can't have that this week. Be interesting to see, um you know, when, when we get into these big time games, and I know that the, this one's kind of lost its luster, but Ohio State has you know coached as if they are trying to move the football, trying to be a little bit more conservative and wait to strike. And I'm curious if that's going to be the same case this week um, with Ryan Day, with the, with the way that they're attacking, because they they have made their living on big plays. Um, they have certainly have the weapons to do so, but can you do that against, against the secondary? Huge test for the secondary. They're going to give up yards. I mean, let's be honest here. I think Penn State's going to give up a lot of yards, um, whether it be the run or the pass, um, but it's got to be the situation where you keep try and keep them out of the end zone. And that's really your big shot if you're Penn State.
0: If you love those perimeter battles, you just appreciate one-on-one matchups. This is going to be, I mean, really, really fun stuff. Uh, the game might not be fun for Penn State, but but these guys, this is the Ohio State wide receiver group, this Penn State defensive backfield, can't say enough how impressed I've been. There have been missed opportunities. You have to keep noting that with some of the dropped interceptions here. But overall, this defensive backfield, I feel like, has lived up to the billing. There's a lot of stuff we hear offseason by offseason that doesn't always get generated in reality when the season arrives. I think the hype has been real for this defensive backfield, but this is a huge test. And to me, I want to focus on the slot because that is where they have been burnt a lot against Ohio State. And that was Lamont Wade's coverage last year. It's no longer the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you definitely look at the the matchups that they have, and it's kind of like what we've said with uh, you know those receivers are fantastic, but they'll put Jeremy Ruckert in the slot, and he'll just be Jeremy Ruckert against DaQuan Hardy. That might be an issue for Penn State because he can go up and get it. Very talented tight end uh, kid from New York, but it's um, yeah, it's going to be a a place where you try and figure out what you can do. Is Curtis Jacobs going to be the guy that stays on the field maybe a little bit more because of the matchups and things like that? But That's a problem when you've got talented receivers like they have in Wilson, Olave and Smith and Jigba. Smith and Jigba to to me can be an X factor here because you can go three wide and also, you know, kind of flex, uh, flex record out. And all of a sudden you're going to have problems in that matchup. So um, Penn State secondary is great as as it's been. Um, You know, I think they're going to, they're going to give up some plays. They're going to give up some yards and it's just about keeping in front of you. They have to capitalize. I mean, Stroud, not the most experienced quarterback out there. So if he does let one fly, you got to get your hands on it. You got to get your hands under it and make those plays. Um, you can't be settling for 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 knockdowns in some of those situations. And that's not fair to defensive backs because knockdowns are good plays. But if you're if you're looking to go on the road and beat Ohio State, they have to turn into interceptions, just, just kind of like what we talked about with those receivers going down the field for Penn State.
0: Yeah, and I mean we, we heard the Penn State coaching staff on the field yesterday, you know, kind of hammering that home, led by uh Bry, Brent Pry the defense coordinator just yeah. like you gotta go. You if the opportunities come, you gotta seize them in this matchup. Um, Sean, just a few minutes left here on the podcast. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts here on ways to get Jahan Dodson involved. Because to me, that's the thing here. Again, two years ago, quarterback play was an issue that kind of negated KJ Hamler, who was also dealing with an injury. Can you get Jahan Dotson teed up here? Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be nine, 10 times. Can he get two or three opportunities where he's got some space in the open field? Because that's been a really a, a complete missing component. It's great when he makes those tough catches in traffic. But I think to me, in a game like this where you wonder how can Penn State generate points, can they generate 10 play drives? You want to find Jahan Dotson in space, give him a chance to make a move, maybe pick up 50 yards in a hurry. Drag routes,
1: absolute uh, killer for some of these defenses. And I know, I think uh, uh, he said it the other day, our guest uh, said it the other day, Patrick, I'm sorry, I just forgot his name all of a sudden. Um, But getting behind that second level, we know that those linebackers struggle to run with with folks in the slot. So I would not be shocked to see Dotson moving all over the field, trying to get it done and then trying to get in behind that second level. The safeties are talented. Um, I don't know that they're the most experienced when you lose four guys to the NFL or three guys to the NFL in that secondary that tends to happen sometimes, but they're, they're playing some pretty good football. So I work them across the middle of the field. I know I've been stumping for Parker Washington in that role this week, but any way that you can get him out there and get him 10 or 15 targets, I mean, might as well.
0: Yeah, and whatever Jordan Stout can do to help out the process uh, with this defense, because I think uh, barring a major bounce back that I just don't see really happening for Penn State um, offensively, there's going to be a lot of punts. And Jordan Stout, if you can boom what, 50 what put-
1: more? What more can Jordan Stout do? He really I can't mean, do much. Just- I
0: guess I guess you, you need more of the same from Jordan Stout because yeah. uh, if things go awry for him, then that's a real issue. You can't give Ohio State the short field over and over again, because it will not take long for them to get to the end zone on you and start putting up big points. And I will say I do have too much respect for Penn State's defense, what they have, um, and the way they're playing. I mean, I know they gave up 350 rushing yards, but they gave up 10 points in regulation, okay? And they came up with some key stops in that overtime session, and you can't pin that Iowa game on them either. But Ohio State's just going to overmatch them, I think, as this game goes on, because I do believe, like the last few games, time uh, it's going to get away from Penn state in terms of being able to keep their offense on the field. That means more defense on the field. That means more reps for these Ohio state playmakers. And ultimately you're going to have that depth challenged uh, up front for Penn state. And I think that's just an an equation that is completely untenable on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Did, did you give a prediction there?
0: Uh, I'll get to it now. 34 to 20 Ohio state wins this one. And I think it's going to be like a 10 to 14 point margin when we're getting into the second quarter toward halftime. And I just don't think right now, unless Sean Clifford truly is a hundred percent, um, and maybe even more than that, that I don't see Penn state having the capability to reverse course from that kind of a deficit. And I think it kind of maintains its way the rest of the way, a guy like Travian Henderson breaks a play late and helps put this one away, away for Ohio state 34 to 20. Uh, and unfortunately for Penn state, a three game losing streak.
1: Yeah, that's um Kind of where I'm at. Uh, I, I agree that it'll probably be a close game for a little while. Um, you know, Ohio State I think is going to come and try and run it down their throats uh, as they did in 2019. Uh, went march right down the field and 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 made it happen. Um, it, I'm I'm very I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if the secondary is is good. Um, you know, they're they're going to be tested. Obviously, those guys make contested catches better than anybody. Maybe in the country, especially Alave has been phenomenal in, in that regard throughout his career. Um, so good coverage might not get it done, but, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see if they step up to the challenge because the secondary, I think has a ton of talent. Um, and, and you, you see like last week in didn't really matter. They gave up 30, 38 yards through the air, um, but it didn't, didn't really matter. So when, it, when a team comes in that can throw the ball like this, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. I have Ohio state 41, 17. Um, I, I just don't have a ton of confidence after seeing what we saw last week, maybe Penn state's defense, uh, you know, is able to hold and uh, force some field goals, do, th- do some things like that, but you, you can't keep putting them in the same situation over and over again. Cause when you play the top tier teams, as they will do this weekend, um, it's really going to be an unfair advantage for, for ohio state if your if your defense is playing out there gassed and i agree with you the depth issues have really shown through in some spots the injuries have not been uh, ideal obviously as as no injury is uh, but uh, it's just going to be one of those things where i you know you can see this one getting away from penn state because of the atmosphere that they're playing in because of that they don't have their quarterback 100% so um, i don't i don't know that ohio state is elite um, you know, they obviously lost to, to Oregon. Oregon did some things to, to to stymie them, and I'm sure they've watched that tape a few times. Um, and on top of that, as Patrick said the other day, that it's not exactly like they played murderer's row in the last couple of weeks that they've kind of run roughshod over. But I, I still think they're good enough and, and, and can put themselves away, and, they, and they're playing confident. That's the thing. I, I don't know that Penn State's playing confident right now, and that's going to be a tough one for them to uh, to overcome if you go into the horseshoe waiting for plays to be made around you.
0: It's it's a difficult moment here for Penn State because it feels like almost every season these two teams seem to to walk off the field after playing heading in very different directions for the remainder of that season and feels like the case here uh, if Penn State comes back at five and three and all the questions about Franklin not going to get any more quiet coming off of, of, of a loss like that but if anybody wants a little bit of optimism sprinkled in their life going into the weekend. Sean and I both picked Penn state to win by more than three touchdowns last Saturday against Illinois. So yeah, we were, we were
1: loud wrong last week. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we are really wrong this week. That'd be great.
0: Well, whatever happens, we'll be back with you Saturday night to break down the outcome between Ohio state and Penn state. When that rolls around, we'll get it up. It'll probably be late, so maybe something you pick up on Sunday morning, maybe something you avoid, depending on how the game goes. But Sean and I will be back with you Saturday night. Uh, Thanks again to Patrick Murphy for breaking down the Buckeyes with us earlier in the week, very helpful for our coverage, and certainly Lance Glenn, our producer, for doing everything he does behind the scenes. As always, thank you for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.